All right, here we go. Uh, so chapter 2, verse 1, uh, when he's talking about 14 years, we're going to set the stage. Uh, and when we're setting the stage, uh, these numbers and chapters, they were not here originally. Now, someone tried to argue that the chapters and the verse numbers were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, <laughs> check this out. This, this, is a great, this is a great little narrative. It's not true. It's not a reality. This is not how it went down. But one person said that as they were traveling through the desert and there were parchments of the New Testament and the Old Testament in saddlebags on a camel. Okay, just follow this. There was a pen or, or a quill and some ink in the pouch. And as the camel's doing his thing, you know, the pen is bouncing around and marking on parchment. And when they got to the destination, some monastery or something, they open up all these parchments. What are all these little notations? Oh, they must be chapters and verses. We must translate the numbers in. And someone said that the bounces happened in such a way that the Holy Spirit was directing the pen to put the numbers and the chapters in. Completely hogwash, but it makes for a funny story. Okay, so none of that is actually true. So if we were to take out all the chapter numbers and all the verse numbers, we get a better understanding of why he opens up chapter 2 with, and then 14 years later. How many of you guys uh, uh, hate it in movies when they like do a little flashback and then they jump forward and you're like, but what happened in between? Okay, uh, we know what Paul was doing and then 14 years later went. Uh, remember, he had gone into Arabia and then to Damascus. Then he had gone up to Jerusalem to study for 15 days with Peter. Uh, and, and then he had gone with Barnabas and they had done their first missionary journey. And then after 14 years, now they're coming back to Jerusalem. Does that sound familiar? We kind of talked a little bit about it last week. So he and Barnabas and Titus, they're going up to Jerusalem and they're going to have a conversation with some people. But they preached the gospel. It's the gospel that they preached to the Gentiles. Uh, and uh, they were preaching it to the Jews there in Jerusalem. And there was a little bit of some problem. Okay? Remember last week we talked about the Judaizers? You guys remember that? The Judaizers were those who had uh, snuck in, crept into the church, and they were trying to subvert Paul's teaching. They were trying to say, well, Paul's not a true apostle. Paul didn't walk with Jesus. Paul is, is saying that it's by grace alone, it's faith alone, and uh, no, you have to become a Jew spiritually. You have to uh, take on uh, the, the, the moral law, you have to take on um, all of the customs, um, all of the festivals, you have to like participate in 100% Judaism in order to be someone who is saved. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Remember, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's the title of our actual sermon series through the book of Galatians. Uh, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Uh, and we as believers, this is, this is awesome for us, because that means that we don't have to follow kosher laws. Uh, how many of you guys know what kosher is? Okay. Uh, does anyone know like some strict kosher laws? Okay, so some of us. Um, how many of you guys love pizza? Anyone in the room love pizza? Um, that's gross. Oh, that's gross. Okay, who's... Do I got anyone in the room whose favorite pizza is pepperoni? Like, at the moment. What is it? At the moment, it Okay, okay. So my all-time favorite pizza... Check this out. My all-time favorite pizza is Papa Murphy's Take and Bake... 
pepperoni pizza. Just straight up. Don't add anything to it. Just straight up pepperoni. What about the triple bacon? I'm not a big bacon on pizza guy. I'm a pepperoni guy. But check this out. If these Judaizers were correct, if these Judaizers were correct and we had to be 100% Jewish to become saved, none of us could have pepperoni pizza. Because you cannot eat meat and dairy together. I'd be going to hell. Man. Let alone the fact that pepperoni comes from pig. Like this is, yeah, we. One of my favorite things in the world is out of the picture. But as Christians, we are saved by grace. It is not of our works, lest any man should boast, as Paul says uh, in another letter to the church of Ephesus. So. What does he do? There are these people who come up, and I love this that he says. Remember last week how I said they were like sneaking in, and they were uh, creeping in, and they were coming in behind his back? The New King James says it's so cool, and I just think about this as James Bond. They came in by stealth. They came in by stealth. That is cool. Uh, You guys want to know one of my other favorite stealth passages? This is completely uh, not related to the sermon at all. But Jesus... Uh, he's chilling in the temple and he starts rebuking the people and the people are not happy about it. So they swarm him. They're going to stone him. And it says, and Jesus disappears from their midst. So he's surrounded by all these people. They're going to try and push him off the temple. And then all of a sudden Jesus, he's like by stealth sneaking through the crowd. And everyone's like, where'd Jesus go? And Jesus is like, I just picture him like, gotcha. snagging, like, robe, like you know, like, like Jesus is pretty robe. awesome. So, but, these people, Jesus stealth is cool. Subverting stealth is pretty bad, okay? So these subverting people, they secretly came in by stealth so that they could spy out the liberty which the Gentile Christians have in Christ. Here's the thing. These are people who were jealous of the saving grace of the gospel. These were people who said, wait a minute, you say that you don't have to follow the Jewish customary laws. You say that it is by grace you are saved. You say all you need is faith. You have liberty to live your life. How can this be? And these people were so legalistic. They were people who were so caught up in religion rather than relationship that they let their religiosity dictate the way they live their lives. And so much so that when someone else had freedom, they got jealous. They got envious. They are breaking some of the very Ten Commandments they have stapled to their chest. Yeah, I know, that would hurt. And like, so, how many of you guys, how many of you guys have ever had a friend get the toy or maybe the lunch at school that you wanted? You know, and you wanted it so bad. And, and you were frustrated that they got it, so you wanted to sabotage it. It'd be like this. Now, I never did this because I was a great kid. Um, but there was this kid. You know, like those like Jeeps, like those cool little Jeeps that like kids can get the Jeep? It'd be like your neighbor getting the Jeep, and you really wanted the Jeep. And he gets the Jeep. So when he's like runs inside to use the bathroom or grab a cup of lemonade during the summer, you go in and you like pop the little hood and you like go and you like cut the drive wires and whatnot, and then you close it down and like yeah. cut the brake line. And he comes in, cut the cut the brake line. Those things have like a top speed of two miles an hour. And like cut the brake line and you sabotage him and he crashes into the mailbox and 
he has to get a new fender. You know, like you're trying to sabotage him because he has something that you want and you do not have. And that's spiritually what was going on here. These Judaizers were jealous of Paul and of Barnabas and of Titus because they were able to spread the gospel so rapidly because they weren't putting stringent rules on someone. You need to brush your teeth 16 times a day in order to be clean. They were saying, hey, believe in Jesus. Let him do something in your life and allow the Holy Spirit to move in you and now go do the work of the gospel. And that made these people frustrated. So what did they do? They snuck in secretly by stealth to spy that they might then bring them from liberty into bondage. Oh, all right. I'm going to cut your brake lines. And now you're going to have to hang out on your big wheel with me. No more cool Jeep for you. Okay. Um, But Paul says, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. No. Verse 5, he said, we did not yield to submission. We, We didn't put up with them for an hour. So that the truth of the gospel might continue. Like, Paul's like, hmm, there is a gospel, and I already told y'all, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus died for your sins so that you don't have to pay the penalty for your sins, which would be death. You don't have to try and work to attain your atonement. Jesus already did it. And Paul says, I want that to continue. He goes on to say that, uh, verse 6, it says, but for those who seem to be something, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. See, these people weren't just like Joe Schmoes in the church. These were like high up, yuppity Jerusalem socialites who were like the people. Like, oh my goodness, you were hanging out with Caiaphas today? Like, these are the people that you want to hang with. And then, like, when you move into the religious circle, you're like, oh my goodness, did you see how that dude worships? Like, it's going crazy. And people wanted to be like these. But Paul says, uh 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 uh. There is no personal favoritism with God. It does not matter how you dress. It does not matter how you smell. I mean, in the 21st century, we don't think about that as much. Um, But think about these folk. You've got people who are woodworkers. They probably smell like sawdust, right? You have people who are shepherds. They probably smell like sheep poop. You have people who are fishermen. Have you ever been around a bunch of dead fish before? It kind of stinks, okay? You, you have people who are tax collectors. They just smelled like rich stuff. Uh, and, and people who are just, people are like, oh, did you, that, that guy smells. And, and, and Paul's saying, no, it does not matter. He writes in another letter to the church in Corinth. He says, hey, stop trying to get the best seat. Stop trying to put yourself ahead of other people. There's no partiality with God. The same God who loves the rich man is the same God who gets down on his knee to help the poor man. The person who's never been sick or the person who's ailed for their life. It's the same God. And he has a plan and a purpose for everyone. And that plan is that they may come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so that they may attain salvation and that they can live in true freedom. Paul understood it. In life, it's life is a constant battle to be free. We might not realize it at times, 
But our lives are a constant battle, a constant struggle to be free from something. At the end of the day, and when we get in theological circles, we talk and we know that there is the bondage of sin, and we are freed in Christ, but we have to maintain our freedom by not going back to the sin. But before Christianity, our lives, we are struggling to be free. Your non-Christian friends are trying to break free from something. Paul knew it. Paul was trying to break free, and in so doing, he was trying to attain some sort of good grace with God, and he thought the best way to gain good grace with God was to persecute, put in jail, and kill Christians. Because he thought that God wanted him to kill these people because they had rejected him. So he thought the more Christians he put in jail, the more steps he could climb in the spiritual ladder to get to heaven. But Jesus shows up and says, hey, Paul, or at the time, hey, Saul, why do you persecute me? He says, he says, what are you doing? It's not about this. I've got something more for you. And we talked about that last week. Paul, he gets blinded. God shows up and tells Ananias, hey, you're going to prophesy and tell Paul that he's going to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Boom, boom, boom. Here we are. Paul was speaking from experience. Paul was able to tell his story to the church in Galatia from experience. It's not about trying to attain. How many of us in our lives, we try and do things, or we try and be spiritual because we think that if we're not, maybe God's not going to favor us or love us as much. Has anyone ever felt that way before? Yeah, have, have, have you ever felt like, oh my goodness, if I don't read my Bible today, if I don't read my Bible today, something bad could happen to me because God's going to be frustrated with me. Anyone ever thought that before? I'm with you. I'm with you, Josie. I've thought that before. I've thought that before. Like, for me, how many of you guys, how many of you guys are in seventh grade? Any seventh graders in the house? Look at that. All right. Yeah, we got three seventh graders. Okay, guys, when I was in seventh grade, uh, I was like super stoked about reading my Bible because I was like, this is cool. I, I can read. Uh, it took me a while. Uh, I'm joking. Uh, no, by the time I got to seventh grade, I knew I was supposed to read my Bible every day. But I didn't want to read my Bible every day. Um, and for me, reading the Bible every day became a chore. Like, it was like, I have to read my Bible, and if I don't read my Bible, God's going to send the lightning bolts. So I read my Bible out of fear rather than out of relationship. It was a religion. And Paul says, no, 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 religiosity does not save, but a relationship with Jesus does. And uh, Paul goes on to say, like, hey, we're not going to do these things. We don't have to be people who are following the law in these certain ways, uh, we the gospel for the uncircumcised is the same for the gospel of the circumcised. Um, he goes on to say this, and I, I, I highlighted this in my Bible. If you've got a pen, underline this. I think this is really cool uh, because, because this speaks to us today. Verse 8, uh, it says this, For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised, or to the Jews, also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. Underline that. What's the significance of verse 8? What is the significance? Anyone see the significance in there? The same he who worked effectively in Peter 
is he who works effectively in me. What's the significance here? Absolutely, absolutely. And now take that one step further. The same God, the same Holy Spirit who's empowering Paul, who was the same Holy Spirit who empowered Peter, is the same Holy Spirit who's empowering you. That's right. Think about that. This verse could read like this. For he who worked effectively in Peter and Paul also works effectively in Rose also works effectively in Josie, in Abigail, in Madison, in Amelia, in Stephanie, in Allison, in Jonas, in Thomas, in John, in Dan, in Matt. It's the same Holy Spirit. Check this out. This Holy Spirit, because God is the same yesterday and forever, right? What else does the Bible tell us? We're told in Galatians chapter 1. That this same Holy Spirit who's working in Peter and Paul is the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Mm-hmm. The same power is in us. That's crazy. And that's cool. So you may come up to some sort of roadblock in your life. Check this out. The same spirit who worked in Peter and Paul works in you. You think you have a hard time sharing the gospel with your friends at school? You think you have a hard time living out your faith? Remember this. The same spirit that was in Peter and Paul and James and Barnabas and Titus and the people who established the church, the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And the Bible tells us that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. There is nothing that you cannot do if you are living and operating in the freedom that comes from knowing the gospel. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Knowing that the Holy Spirit is alive in you. That's cool. And that should give us some confidence. Mm -hmm. How many of us would live our lives a little bit differently if we thought about that every single morning? Right? Wake up in the morning. Woo! I got the Holy Spirit. Woo! Paul had the Holy Spirit. He got bit by a snake. He got shipwrecked. He's okay. He preached the gospel. I can do the same thing. Now, I'm not telling you to go handle snakes. I'm not telling you to go out in a rickety old ship and crash. I'm not telling you that. But when you're in your lunchroom at school and you feel that there's this little thing inside of you that, you know, maybe I should go sit down with that person because they look like they're feeling down go do it because you got the power of the spirit in you and you don't know you might rock that person's life and their life might be transformed that day if you step out in faith and that's what paul's saying he's like this is crazy awesome so then he goes on to say verse nine he says when james and cephas uh cephas is just another name for peter um So James and Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, uh, when they perceived that the grace had been given uh, to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. They said, hey, we are on the same team. Epic. Now let's go do ministry together. So this is really cool. Uh, And they reminded Paul to uh, uh, remember the Gentile or or remember the poor. And he said, this is the very thing which I was eager to do. Uh, I think it's cool that Paul 
wasn't just the guy who was preaching to the Gentiles, the Greeks who were doing it. They were preaching to the Greeks and the Gentiles who were poor and those who were destitute and those who didn't have things. I think that's a good encouragement for us. Jesus said we will always have the poor. And that's not like just some sort of like off the cuff saying where Jesus says we'll always have the poor. So don't worry about them. No, he says we're always going to have poor. So there's always a great mission field. Let's go do it. Same Holy Spirit. Boom. Let's go. Um, then we're going to get to a, uh, a funny uh, little portion here uh, in verses 11 um, through the end of the chapter. Uh, because we're going to see some budding heads of brothers. Okay. Uh, how many of you guys have a brother or a sister in the room? Anyone have a brother? Okay. Okay. Um, how many of you ever butt heads? Not like not not like Rams actually butting heads, but like how many of you have had like an argument with a sibling? Anyone had an argument with a sibling? Uh, both, yeah. I'd say John and I probably have actually hit heads one or two times. Not not while we were arguing, but like just accidentally, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, Paul, Paul knows the freedom that comes from Jesus, and he knows the freedom that we have in the Spirit. And how the gospel sets us free. Now, Peter also knew this. Remember, Peter is the one who stood up boldly, preached the gospel. 3,000 people are added to the church. Peter's the one who first goes to the Gentiles when God tells them, hey, this is no longer considered unclean. Go, preach the gospel. And he preached the gospel to Cornelius, who was a Gentile, and he gets saved. And the whole house gets filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter knew. But how many of you guys know Peter's kind of a stubborn dude? I feel like Peter sometimes gets a bad rap, and I don't want to like just like harp on Peter, you know. But like Peter is the kind of guy who's like, uh, "You are Lord," and uh, and then Jesus says, "Yeah, our God gave that word to you." And like the very next thing, it's like, "Get thee behind me, Satan." Uh, Peter's the kind of guy who's like, "I'll die for you, Lord," and then he's like chopping people's ears off, and Jesus is like, "Live by the sword, die by the sword." Peter's like, "I will never deny you," and then. Rooster crows, and he's already done it three times. Uh, he is that Jesus over there on the water? Peter's jumping into the water, walking on the water, and then like, oh, there's a wave, gets scared, falls down. Jesus has to save him. Then he like, sees Jesus on the shore, and he dives. Like Peter's kind of all over the place, you know. He's doing this like, I love you, Lord. Um, Peter was kind of awkward when he got around spiritual kind of people because there's this story, and Paul tells the story. He says we were at Antioch one time. This is the, it's the Matthew Joseph Morris uh, version of the Bible, uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 uh, through 21. And, and uh, this is what, he's like, we were in Antioch, and we're hanging out in Antioch, you know? And Peter and I and Barnabas, we're having a good time, and we're, and we're eating food, we're hanging out with the Greeks, we're eating good food. They're eating gyros, you know, because good Greek food, you know? They're just pounding down the tzatziki sauce with the feta, and they got, I mean, they're just loving it. And then some Jews come strutting in. You know, they're doing their strut. They got their fancy little outfits on. Uh, yeah, yeah, like that, man. So they're just, uh, and, and, and they're strutting in. They're like, we're from James, you know, the brother of Jesus. We're from Jerusalem. We're going to teach you what true religion is. And what does Peter do? Peter, like, drops the euro on the ground, kicks it under the table. He's like, I'm not eating any Gentile food. Please bring me some more uh, matzah bread. Uh, and, and, and he starts acting like, I like these people, but I'll have nothing to do with them. So that the people from James are like, oh, man, Peter, he's a rock. He's like, he's the man, you know. And uh, Paul, I love Paul because Paul doesn't pull punches. And Paul says, yo, Peter, what are you doing? You got some tzatziki sauce on your shirt. You've been eating the euros with us. 
if you're going to pretend to be a Greek when you're with the Greeks, and you're going to pretend to be a Jew when you're with the Jews, what are you doing? You're putting people in bondage. And I can only imagine Peter being like, yeah, I remember that one time the rooster crowed. Crowed three times. Yeah, I messed up. I'm sorry. And Paul calls him out. And and there's resolution. Peter and Paul, there's resolution. But this just goes to show that it wasn't always perfect in the early church. It wasn't always perfect. These people still had blunders. Uh, But Paul Paul says some things. He says... um, But if we seek to justify, or if we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. So Paul says, I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The law, I'm dead to it. I've been made alive in Christ. He writes this beautiful letter to the church in Ephesus. We're going to get there in a few weeks. He says, we were once dead in our trespasses and sin, but God, who is rich in mercy, he's given us new life. And I died to those things. I've been crucified to those things. If I again pick those things up, I now am a transgressor. We've been set free. So I don't... I I could put a list of sins up here, but we don't need to do that. You know the sin that you have in your life. And you've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who live, but Christ in you. Christ said, take off that backpack that's full of sin. Leave it it at the foot of the cross. Live for me. Same power, spirit. Boom, we're living. We take off the sin. But sometimes we get lazy. Anyone ever get lazy before? All right. Most of the time it happens after that pepperoni pizza, right? Okay. So sometimes we just get lazy. And we're like chilling. We're like, man, I don't got a backpack on. No sin. All right. I'm living with Jesus. And sometimes we just get sidetracked and we're like, where did Jesus go? And then we're like, oh, there's my backpack. I forgot about this thing. Oh, yeah. Like we pick it up and put it on. We like come running back. We're like, yo, Jesus, check out my backpack. Jesus is like, why are you putting that backpack back on? I, I set you free from that. But we so easily go back. And Paul says, no, 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 no. For through the law, I died to the law that I might live unto God. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Underline that verse. Highlight that verse. Write that verse on a sticky note and put it on your nightstand. Write that verse, put it on a sticky note, put it in your bathroom. Uh, memorize Col- uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Like, if I were going to give you homework, which I probably could, but I'm not going to. Memorize this verse. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son who loved us and gave himself for us. I think that's pretty awesome. And I got three minutes, so I'm going to close with this. 
He goes on to say this, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. I'm going to try and bring it back to this every week. Because the title of our sermon series to the book of Galatians is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Write it. Put it on your notebook. Uh, if you go to our church's website and you click on sermons, you'll see this picture. It's our sermon series. You can listen to it on our website. And I, I want us to remember Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Because here's the thing. If we set aside the grace of God, that sounds like big and theological. If we just forget that Jesus died for us for just a moment, if we forget that the same power that conquered the grave is in us, the same Holy Spirit who is in Peter and Paul is in us, if we forget that for just a second and we start putting our righteousness in the law, if we start putting our faith in works, if we start trying to earn our salvation by going through the motions of being Christian, of being religious, then Christ died in vain. Jesus did not die so that you could work hard to earn your salvation. Jesus died because you can't do diddly squat to earn your salvation. We can't do it. No matter how hard we try, it will destroy us. But Jesus, he made a way. And I trust that we've all put our faith in Jesus. I know everyone in the room. We've put our faith in Jesus. Never, ever, ever think that you can earn your salvation. And never neglect the fact that Jesus died for you. Now, does that mean go live carelessly? Because I can't earn it. Jesus died for me. Woohoo! Paul says in the book of Romans, certainly not. He says, no, 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 no. We still live a certain way because Christ set us free so that we can be free to live in the freedom. But let's not put Christ's death and resurrection in vain by trying to do it our own, by trying to add, Jesus died for my sins, yes, and now I have to pray 16 times a day. I have to read my Bible 12 times a day. I have to listen to uh, the Christian worship station. I have to do this, this, and this, and this. Those are all good things to do, and I encourage you to do those things, but those things don't save you. It's only trusting in Jesus. Amen? Jesus plus nothing equals? Everything. Say it one more time. Jesus plus nothing equals? Everything. Boom. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that you are our everything. You are our all. Uh, God, forgive us for the times where we try and take your place by trying to earn our own salvation. God, we know that there is no righteousness in the law. There is no righteousness in works. It is by faith alone that we've been made alive by the grace of Jesus who died for us on the cross. Our debt was paid so that we could have relationship with you. God, may we not get in the habit of becoming religious, but may we be people who love our relationship with you, love our relationship one with another. Uh, and God, we live knowing that the same power that conquered the grave, knowing that the same Holy Spirit who worked effectively in Peter and Paul and in all the apostles is in us. And may we live and go forth in that freedom that comes from you, knowing that you are everything. So God, we thank you and we praise you in your wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen.